This podcast is sponsored by the Women in Revenue. Welcome to Theodora Speaks. This episode is going to be like a lightning bolt. My third male guest, Romy Mahajan. He is so inspirational, has so many ideas and words of wisdom that I thought it would be great to share him with you. He is one of my valued mentors, so much so I gave him a shout out in my book, and one of my characters is after him in my book. Romy is a, he's a, not only the wealth of knowledge, but he's so many things. He's currently the president of Pepper. He's a great husband, a loving father, an author of over 500 articles. He's been in technology marketing and advisory work for over 25 years. He calls himself an accidental marketer. He's advised startups and companies over the past decade, and he's also authored over 500 articles. And he's written two books on marketing. He's the jack of all trades, in my opinion. The reason why I asked Romy to be my third male guest is he's not only mentored many people, but he's mentored me for nearly 15 years now. And he's a kind of force who has an empowering way with his words. And when I first met Romy, I was a bit intimidated. After one meeting and a couple of work dinners later, I was inspired and captivated by his outlook on life, the world, and business. He told me once, do what I love and the rest will follow, including the money. We've been brother and sister to each other ever since I met him. And he is one of my confidants and resounding gongs in my journey. Listen for when Romy talks about when someone tells you to change your tone, it's often the person telling you that that needs to change theirs. Women in Revenue lives in a world where every woman has access to a thriving, supportive community of powerful, diverse, and daring members. As a nonprofit organization, they exist to serve women in revenue-generating roles across marketing, customer success, and sales, with goals of workplace equity, inclusion, and career acceleration. Women in Revenue is a transformative organization which elevates, highlights, and encourages future female leaders. Their community strives to remove barriers and power career trajectories forward. Together, they unlock new opportunities for women in revenue, generating roles through networking, education, mentorship, and many other benefits. Visit womeninrevenue.org for more information. Romy, it is an honor and a pleasure to have a conversation with you and share your voice with my audience today. Oh, Gail, it's my, it's honestly my my pleasure. And um, it's so good to be talking to you, um, you know, on this, on your podcast, as well as just in general. So. And you are one of my valued mentors, so much so I put you in the acknowledgments of my book. And you have so many words of wisdom, a great perspective on life, on career, on family, then I think it would, my audience would benefit from hearing from you today. So you're currently the president of Pepper. You're a yeah. fantastic husband, lovely father, 
<laughs> you're an author of 500, over 500 articles I read, and you're yes. an accidental marketer. Yes. Why by accident? Yeah, you know, so I, I got into I got into marketing willy-nilly. I, I had no desire to be in business or in, in, in any of that. And it was sort of late in my, or let's say mid-20s, when I realized that the world was uh, something that I had to go grab and that it wasn't going to come to me. I wanted to profess. I wanted to be an academic. And so I got into marketing partially because it was something you could have lateral entry into, right? I mean, I didn't need a massive set of degrees. I'm an autodidact, you know, self-taught. And, um, and so it's accidental in the sense that I never planned for it. But I'm truly very happy that I made that call at some point in my life, how, however late, to jump into marketing. And you and I met when you were in marketing at Microsoft. Yes, yes. I uh, God, that's 15 years or so, Gail. And I actually had two stints in marketing at Microsoft. Uh, but And that's really sort of where I cut my teeth as a marketer. Though I can say that, you know, at, at big companies, you learn a lot. Um, but you also uh, gather a lot of moths, right? So there's a lot of things you need to forget once you leave a big company as well. Yeah. And there's a lot that you, you take with you. Some of you have to dust off and some of you have to embrace. And Indeed, indeed. One of the things you and I took because we were ships passing in the night working there, we never had the opportunity yeah. to work together there, yeah. but we both love the notion of pillars. I have a five pillar methodology on calculated risk-taking and you have a three pillar methodology, yes. people, impact, and autonomy. Yes. So talk about that. Yeah. So, you know, from my perspective, um, work life is, and frankly, most, most elements of life right, are really around how do you meld uh, your personal interests, your personal philosophies your set of ethics, and then how do you sort of make a living, right? And for me, uh, my career, or whatever you want to call the set of steps that that are a career, right? I don't know if that I'm a careerist as such. Um, I'd love to work with great people who are interesting, stimulating, morally aligned, um, and simply enjoyable to work with. Um, anything I do, I feel like it should have some impact. Um, there are countless roles in the world that I'm sure people are happy doing, um, that in my view, don't have the sufficient impact on the world around us. So I wouldn't be interested. And 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 frankly, autonomy is very much a, a please get out of the way, right? Um, allow me as a fairly intelligent person to make mistakes, uh, but also to proceed uh, and, and create my own destiny. And so for me, anything that impinges on any of those three variables is a complete non-starter. And those organizations and collectives that really emphasize those three pillars are, are ones for me. Uh, it, sometimes it means that you, you have to say no to things. Sometimes it means that you're cast out of things. And sometimes it means that, mean that the alignment is, is, is extremely, extremely strong and extremely tight. But for me, those are, those are three pillars that are complete non-negotiables. And you taught me something valuable from those three pillars 15 years ago. What, what was that? You said... Find something that you're passionate about and the money will come. Yeah, that's right. And I, I do look at that as um, passion, again, is, is often uh, is an oft used and maybe even overused notion, right? I really think that the passions have to come from some personal um, experience or instinct, um, something larger than yourself. Um, you know, a lot of people in the business world talk about how passionate they are about what they do. And frankly, I highly doubt most of those stories. 
right? If you're doing something quotidian or you're doing something that has really no large effect, are you just saying you're passionate because that's the thing you're supposed to say? I look, I look at words like passion, authenticity as things that are, that are often just said rhetorically, but aren't really meant or felt. And um, for me, that's a complete no-no. You have to be aligned on, on how you think, what you say, and then what, and what you do. And along those lines, you've been known to break the mold. Yes. So tell our audience about that dis, dis, disposition on life. Yeah, I think um, uh, breaking the mold, um, it works two ways, right? Sometimes you break the mold and sometimes the mold breaks you, right? And you have to be ready to bear the consequences of the decisions you make as an adult, right? So if you have, if you're, let's say, a very outspoken person or you're part of a large hierarchical corporation and you don't like how things are, are being done, if you say something, um, howsoever righteous you might feel in it, there are going to be consequences of what you say. Right? You're running against a castle and the castle will defend itself. And often um, you're too small, right? You're, you're one person, um, but it's still worth doing. And, and so for me, my perspective has always been when I somehow feel that there's an injustice, when I somehow feel that there's an arbitrary exercise of power, when I feel that there's intellectual dishonesty, when I feel that there are ethical, uh, there's ethical lines being crossed, again, defined by me, right? Not by someone else. Um, I balk, I, 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 I chafe. I cannot be part of that thing. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean that I haven't crossed lines before, but as I, um, as I think more about life and sort of life as it meshes with our work, Right. Um, I think much more about these issues. And, and I finally I, I, I find that most people sleepwalk and play act through uh, through what they do. And I find that to be just an intolerable way of living again to my own chagrin, often to to the detriment of my own career or my own so-called success. But I'm quite happy in, in the way that I've evolved in this regard. So. You explain that so eloquently, but my stomach goes, oh. Because yeah. how do you make those decisions? Do you phone a friend? Do you talk to your wife? How do you make those decisions yeah. to navigate those complex paths? You know, I, I will say that um, I gained a lot of perspective on uh, on everything from philosophy to, to life to politics from my parents. I grew up in a milieu where everything was questioned, where skepticism was the order of the day. Um, and, and when um, there was... Uh, a, a massive, massive interrogation of power, right, in general. And so some of these things came very naturally. Again, it was a gift that I imbibed through my mother's milk in that sense, right? Other things I've developed, you know, whether you can call it a thin skin for certain things or just a, a clear belief in what matters to me. Um, these decisions are hard. They really are. There are people who are caught in a bind. There are people who can't make these decisions lightly because, you know, uh, healthcare depends on it, or feeding the kids depends on it, or having a house depends on it. Um, and so there's a degree to which you do have to uh, pay your dues. I think everyone does pay their dues in some way. Very few of us have the courage to be kind of revolutionary from the from the first from the get go. We all do pay our dues. We all do conform in some ways, but I think um, there's too much pressure to uh, to be obedient. 
And obedience to me is literally anathema to life, right? Like you got to question everything, including your own beliefs. You've got to be willing to be wrong. You've got to be willing in the face of data or other people's emotions to step back and say, hey, I, I myself made a mistake. I myself am not perfect. I myself am not particularly good at, you know, X, Y, or Z. And I think that level of honesty just makes you a happier person. You and I have courage as one of our superpowers. Yeah. So it comes easier to us now, not that it always was easy, right? It wasn't always for me. What advice do you have to that working woman that wants the other job, wants to make that change? How do we give her the courage? Yeah, you know, I I will say it's, um, first of all, I'm not sure that anyone that I can necessarily help anyone in this regard. And I I definitely don't want to be in the position of uh, pretending that I understand the life of a, a, a female professional. I don't want to mansplain anything, right? But what I what I can offer as a general thing is that um, there are too many people, and often this is true among uh, women in the workplace, right, who uh, keep their own passions, their own desires kind of a lid on it. They're um, not willing to self-promote. They're not willing to, um, you know, to speak ill of others. They're not willing to uh, to raise protest when, you know, some moron or whatever gets promoted over them. And I think that's got to stop, right? I think people have to be um, a very vociferous and vocal in what they believe in. And I think everyone would be more happy that way. I also think that um, many, many people in minority communities, whether, you know, female or racial minorities or or minorities when it comes to sexual orientation, et cetera, um, have to be or are forced to be a lot better at everything than the people who've the standard kind of mold, right? And so uh, remember that um, you have sort of reserves of intelligence and reserves of courage and reserves of support that you might not realize every day that you can call upon. And uh, I don't believe in self-made people. I believe everyone has help. And I would only encourage that you know the women in that position that you're talking about realize that they have a support structure as well that we all need, you know, not just not just women, men, everybody needs a support structure. But to be courageous, don't don't play do party line, don't be obedient, don't listen to the hierarchical forces, and don't feel that you always have to compliment everyone around you, right? Call it out when something's wrong, call it out when someone's being a fool, call it out when someone's being offensive. Call it out when someone's saying something just because they're the loudest person. Often the quietest person in the room has the most intelligent thing to say. Absolutely. There's a lot of research about introverted people having being incredibly creative. They don't necessarily feel the need to assert themselves in the alpha dog mode, but, um, you know, but they have enormous amount of creativity and intellect um, that's just shared quietly. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's this, you're making me think of this term out there, allyship, right? Is all the rage the last couple of years. How I define it is women supporting women. Yes. To do that because there's less of us, especially in tech, especially in STEM. Yeah. How would you define allyship, Romy? Again, I think of allyship as as a little more complicated um, than I often read about, right? And, you know, I could give you some examples. They may be long form, but when we say women supporting women, for instance, absolutely. But that doesn't just mean women of a particular, um, uh, let's say, status, supporting women, uh, the, women of the same status. It also means that if you're the CEO, 
a, a female CEO of a large company, you're thinking about the line workers, the factory workers, um, all the people who have low wages, right? Um, it's not just supporting other women to be in the same hierarchically powerful, powerful position, right? So I believe that allyship is not about um, it, it's not about one class just supporting itself, but looking deeply into any organization do and figuring out all the different people that you would normally not ally with, including people who are nine levels below you, who are making one-tenth of what you're making, and figure out how to equalize that, right? So uh, uh, once again, when I look at a lot of the stuff out there around diversity, equity, and inclusion, and allyship, it actually disappoints me a lot because it's not about reaching across to people of, let's say, um, different economic strata, right? It's just about, it becomes very, very narrowly defined. Um, I'm not particularly interested in replacing one hierarchical person with another, irrespective of their background. Yes, I understand DEI. I, I, I largely support it, but you know, but I don't believe that um, that it's done in a way that actually is truly either diverse, equal, or inclusive. So that's my view. I think that we simplify these structures far too much. And far too quickly. I don't think we fully understand yeah. what it means or if you've been affected by it, right? A, a victim of the lack of it. Yes. How do we uh, make amends, right? Yeah. No, I totally agree, Gail. And I, I, um, it's a really tough position to be in, right? Because you cannot agree with a lot of the way things like DEI are going. But the people who are against DEI are... You, you know, you've got to be suspect of them as well. So the question is, all of these things have great intentions, often, not always, right? But um, but we know that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And so we have to constantly monitor every one of our statements and beliefs to understand, is, is it applicable, not just to people like me, but to a vast array of people from a vast walk different walks of life and from economically massively different categories mm -hmm. some of whom enjoy enormous amount of privilege like 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 i do like you do gail and some people who don't right and who are um on the on the receiving end of a, of a pretty tough economic system and still be respectable or respecting them and you know yes. like you said, yeah like we talked about that top down but also yes. bottom-up approach yes in that so yeah. you're one of my valued mentors, like I mentioned a few minutes ago. Who mentors you? Um, you know, I get mentorship from a lot of people, uh, though not formally. I learn a lot from, uh, again, I'll, I'll reference some of my parents, uh, my spouse. There are certain friends I have um, that have taught me to be a better person, right? Um, whether, uh, you know, didactic fashion or just a passive fashion. And I learn constantly from the struggles of people around me. Um, I read voraciously. I talk to people. Um, I'm one of those people that even in, in a digital age, I, I'd like to go to the bank and talk to the teller. I like to go order my Starbucks or coffee while standing in line, right? I, I like to interact with people. And so in, in some ways, I would say that they rise to the level of mentorship, but they're certainly teachers. And then, of course, for specific subjects, you know, there are uh, people that I, you know, uh, I would say where the rare times when jealousy enters my head is when I just see somebody who is 
so talented, let's say writing or speaking um, or you know some scientific endeavor. So I, I feel like I have a, a whole crew of mentors, though no, not in a formal fashion. How about sponsors? Like at Pepper yeah. or you know Microsoft back in the day? You know, um, I, I, and I don't know if he'll be listening to this, but you know, I think I thought back uh, to my career at Microsoft, and I started in my late twenties, um, and you know, I started doing pretty well, not not nothing amazing. And there was one gentleman who was my skip level manager, name is Robert Christman, and um, he was he's easily the most instrumental person in my career. I was not in business. I did not know business. I, I was not a marketer. And he took a chance and then gave me a couple of roles that he thought I could do. And I think I ended up doing pretty well in them. But the fact that he believed that this random unwashed guy could do these things. Um, and, and, you know, uh, so if I have to look at one person outside of my parents who educated me, right, um, uh, it would be Bob Christman. Uh, and and beyond that, I think, frankly, Gail, uh, if, if we're being honest, which, of course, we are, I, I made a lot of missteps in my career as well, right? I, I look back at things I've done, things I've said, emails I've sent. They were immature. They, they were impatient. Um, they were sometimes arrogant and grandstanding. Um, and so I, I don't know that I cultivated sponsors in the way that um, that I probably could have. Um, certainly now I have people, uh, you know, I work uh, at Pepper with Pulit Sinha, at Rook Capital with Ed Messman. Uh, my dad is a massive sponsor. I have a, I'm the CEO of a company called ExoFusion that my dad, I, and two other scientists started. We're in the, in the commercially viable fusion space. Um, and, and so I think these are my current sponsors. But along the way, I've had, I've, I've had quite a few, but nobody singularly like Bob Chrisman um, helped me become um, relatively successful, not wildly successful, but relatively successful professional. It sounds like, and in your success, that those missteps, you gleaned a lot of insights. You learned a lot. Yeah. I, I think I did learn a lot. Um, uh, some of them, of course, you learn by by embarrassing yourself. Other, you learn, other things you learn around what you simply can't do or tolerate. Um, still others you learn about what you're good at. And I've always, I always kind of joke around, but I'm partially serious. Like if there's 15 things an executive needs to be good at, right? Like I'm good at two or three, you know, the, the other 12, 13, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at. I think I'm, I'm quite strong on those two or three. And that sort of helps me keep, uh, you know, keep sane and, and employed and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, I, I, I absolutely learned from those. And, and again, some of them is just, the sheer embarrassment of, of, of being young and impetuous and impatient um, in, in career. And, you know, some of the toughest conversations I've had um, in my career were, um, were probably the ones that, that got me thinking the most and maybe kicking and screaming, but that I, I did end up changing and probably for the better. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I coach and mentor women Yes. One of the things, whether it's someone in their 20s, 30s, 40s, that I keep hearing, and it's happened to me, is climbing the, the ladder, getting different jobs, change yeah. your tone, your tone. Yeah. So what advice do you have for women like us when we get that on our back, that target on our back? Change your tone. Yeah. You, you know, when, when somebody says to change your tone, mm -hmm. right, or, or to be more nurturing or less this or more of that, I actually find most of that stuff completely ridiculous, right? Um, uh 
the people who don't uh, who dispense advice like that are the ones typically who need to change, right? They're the ones who, who uh, feel the right to dictate to others. They're the ones who, uh, again, alpha wins often, right? Um, they're the ones who are the most cutthroat, uh, the most hierarchical, uh, and I, I'll go on record saying this: the most backstabbing as well. And so I don't think that um, that anyone should take feedback like that unless it's with incredible specifics. Tell me exactly what you mean, why you said it to me, how you believe that's held me back, and fourth, is that fair, right? Mm -hmm. And I think if if most advice dispensed in the business world were subject to those four variables, it would fail. So I, um, and by the way, Gail, I've had I've countless examples of what you say, right, of people that, friends, et cetera, who are given that sort of um, advice, but you know, it's not just to women. It, it's often to uh, to other people, to other um, people who are in minority categories, or people who are just different, right? Uh, you know, become more vocal. They tell people, "Well, um, what if I'm the introvert?" Right uh, now, I'm not suggesting that everything's equal. I'm not suggesting that all ways of being are equally uh, laden with the with the variables of success, but but the ones that are so incredible incredibly um, specific to, let's say, gender, race, et cetera, are just dog whistles for me for um, something more nefarious going on. So again, very strong view, but if someone told me to change my tone, I would I would certainly find some some good epithets to throw their way and, and walk out the door. So. Mm -hmm. And to look in the mirror, right? Uh, every now and then look in the mirror, but, but I'd probably buy a mirror for them first. For them, that's what I meant. Yeah, 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 that's right. Not you. Yes. Yes. So speaking of mirrors, so go on this journey with me. When yeah. I think about the path to parity, the gender gap, not the pay yeah. gap, just the gender gap. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 132 years to get there. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm not going to bridge that gap, but I'm trying to pave the way for my daughters, for your daughter. Yeah. 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 So I combed through some of the 500 articles that you've written and yeah. I pulled out two that kind of parallel gender okay. parity. Go on yeah. the journey with me. Yeah. The first one is talking about salespeople. And I and I loved it. And it talked about mirror time and saying that there's just so much noise on LinkedIn. And when yeah. you're a salesperson trying to reach someone, getting an introduction, there's so much noise. Yeah. And people, you know, including ourselves, don't read a lot on LinkedIn, don't read yeah. all the emails that come in. Yeah. So how does that person trying to break through the noise? break through the noise and earn that attention in today's yeah. world? I think that's a fantastic question. And I'll tell you, I would I would argue that the, the one variable that's most likely to um, scale with what you're saying is persistence. It's exactly the thing that other people get annoyed at. It's your persistence. But we all have heard of the startup entrepreneur who got told no 99 times and the hundredth word or the person who believed that she could, you know, um, scale some heights was told no, but did it. I, I do believe persistence. I do believe that generally conducting yourself um, on, um, you know, with some sort of uh, sense of do uh, do unto others, right, is, is generally good, right? Try to be, if you're the type of person who's who's out there persistent and trying to get yourself in front of others, make sure that you're reciprocal with those trying to do to you. 
that you're talking to them, that you're answering them, that you're not getting annoyed. In other words, you got to behave the thing that you want others to behave, right? So I, I would say that's that is is absolutely absolutely crucial. I will say again, I look at it also a question of don't be a hypocrite, right? Like don't um, ask your salespeople to persist, 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 and never be told, you know. Keep on talking till you're told yes, and then get annoyed when someone else does it to you, right? Um, similarly, just like you've been out there as an entrepreneur, 99 times been told no, and you got funded the 100th time, don't summarily dismiss others who come to you, right? Looking for funding, right? You went through that. So just sort of, you know, a bit of taking your own medicine, acting out the thing you want to be, um, and being consistent in your behavior. Now, I will say, I'm guilty as anyone of probably uh, not doing that at times, but I, I do try my best to be as fair in my dealings with people as possible. Um, and part of that is is trying to be a decent person and part of it's selfish. I want them to be fair with me as well, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think persistence is, is it's what my friend Vivek calls grit. And I believe Angela Duckworth wrote a book about grit, right? But I think of it as persistence more than grit. The grit and the paying it forward. Yeah, paying it forward. Huge, huge. But I want people to not say it, but to do it, right? You, right, Gail, we've already talked about this. Reality versus rhetoric, right? Right, right. Actions speak louder than words. Yeah, 100%. I like how you say it though, rhetoric. Yeah, yeah. All right, so then the next the next post article, yeah. if you will. Yeah. This is back in 2020, so we got to scratch our heads. Okay. But being in tech, it's all about the business or IT, right? Yeah. And they're so siloed and we've been spending yeah. decades on getting to parity there. And yeah. so I liken that to the gender parity that's out there today because we've spent decades on it, but you ended the article that business and technology are inseparable and will perhaps one day be indistinguishable. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm a believer that in, in, in modern enterprises, right? Not everyone, not every mom and pop, not, not the informal economy, uh, business and, and technology have converged into a, into a singularity. I don't think that they are, uh, you, can, you can sort of um, uh, sort of unwind the DNA, right? That wraps them together. As an example, uh, when I think about my own life, right? And, uh, you know, being personal is maybe helpful here. Um, everything I do in business is is vectored through technology. Our, our, our discussion today, vectored through technology. Um, our, you know, the way we communicate with each other is, you know, uh, email or electrons running through some sort of wire or, or, or some other uh, physical particle moving, right? Uh, through, through the ether. And so um, I think that... Um, it's kind of foolhardy to think about that separation still. Now, no doubt there are different skill sets. There are people who can be deeply technical. They have some skill there. And there are others who are great talkers or are great at building a channel or have great bed, bedside matter. But if those two think of themselves as antagonists, if they think of themselves as, as somehow not aligned, if they, say, if they do the us versus them, right? We, we, it, it creates a massive problem for the organization. Um, even though I'm on what's traditionally called the business side, I also think of the IT folks as heroes in a different way, right? Which is the more quiet IT is, that means the better job they're doing, right? Something's not popping up and, you know, they're, you know, take a trivial example um, in business email, right? Um, it's IT that's getting all the spam and filtering it, right? You don't even know 
that they're getting 3 billion messages out of the system, right? Because you, right? So we used to joke around that there's a big shh in IT, S-H-I-T, ha, huh? funny, but IT is quiet, right? And we business people are boisterous and loud and we send wind wires out and we do PR and all this kind of thing. And I, I think that that can breed some resentment unless every single time you have a win, you remember how you had that win. What power do you to get there, right? And in your list of thanks, don't just mention your boss and the VP of sales and the CEO. Mention Joe or Jill or Santosh or Lou over in IT who's made your life possible. Right? The people behind the curtain. Right. And look, remember during COVID, oh my God, people in hybrid. IT teams scrambled to make that happen. Right. And um, and again, um, you know, Gail, I think about your and I, we have a very fertile relationship. We meet every every couple of years, but we we vector everything through technology. And, you know, what? how wonderful is that? Right. So, uh, again, I think they've conversed into a singularity. And I think those who talk about the business or IT are just are living in a in a in kind of the Cold War era. Right. And, and that's that time's over. It's over and pull us into today's times where it's. AI, chat, GTP. So yeah. in this new world that we're living in now, and it's only going to get amplified, how do we maintain our authenticity, Romy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great question. So you talked about uh, these these um, gaps, right? And and one of the big gaps I'm seeing right now, one of the, the terrible, um, you know, us versus them statements is humans versus AI, right? Now, um, it's amazing to me that every time I read um, something on LinkedIn or elsewhere around AI coming for jobs, somebody's always saying, is AI coming for your job? That person always believes that he or she is somehow uh, safe from all of this, that what they do is so special. Well, indeed, humans do special things, right? Most of the things we do in life and business frankly, should not be as efficient as we say they should be. Think of the things that you enjoy the most, Gail, right? And I know it's going to mention, you're going to mention your girls, and you're going to mention your husband and your parents and your friends and your walk in the park and, and all these things, these very real, very human, very physical experiences, right? And so um, I think that we got into a paradigm post-Frederick Taylor, right? A Taylorism about a century ago, where we thought of efficiency as this God, right? That if I could do everything from shopping to banking to um, whatever else with efficiency, right? That I'll be a happy person and that the world will be better. Well, you know, I want those people to now hug their kids through AI, right? And see how happy they are, right? Or have a dialogue with a colleague and learn about their life through AI. Not so cool. Now, I'm also not going to say that the march of AI is, is is something that isn't important. It is. There are certain things that can be bettered with AI. Hopefully, humans can diagnose disease quicker. Hopefully, um, people can do emergency relief better. Hopefully, um, things like um, the gap, uh, the language gap between people in at work can be solved that way. Hopefully, people can can spend the extra time learning more versus just plagiarizing. Right. But um, we're seeing some very notable people uh, leave the world of AI to start talking about its perils. And I think we absolutely need to understand 
that um, that we're making big mistakes right now. And that includes AI living within these walled hierarchies called corporations. AI should be used, people need to be collaborating. It's not whether Microsoft's AI is better than Google's AI is better than Oracle's AI. AI is about should be about humanity. And in the absence of standards, regulation, and of course, cooperation, we're just gonna have, um, we're going to have a bunch of, you know, um, fecal matter on our hands, so to speak, if we don't, if we don't think about it. But I cannot stand the AI versus humans as though somehow um, these things don't need to coexist. You know, I don't love any AI, but there are plenty of people I love. Right. And you can't replace a hug from you, Romy. Well, I, I wish I could hug you. And literally every time I see my kids, my wife, my parents, I am so glad that that we have a a very intense, very non-technology based and very loving relationships. Wonderful. So as we wrap the conversation, in your opinion, what's one thing we can do today on the path to gender parity? I think we need to collectively stop valorizing what is considered success, right? So it's very interesting when we talk about the gender pay gap, right? Which is, and actually if you cut it by race, it's even worse, right? African-American women make a lot less than white women, right? Who make less than, you know, men and so on and so forth. But once we start defining success as the numbers, right? We get, we, we start, we, we misunderstand the real world, right? So we have to start anointing success in ways other than money. Now, having said that, it is deplorable that two people who do something similar should be paid so differently. And in this matter, I believe very much that companies need to, and organizations, and this is going to sound weird, need to abandon the capitalist mentality. Because frankly, rectifying the the gender pay gap can come up one of two ways, right? It can be lowering the salaries of males, right, to get closer, or it can be raising the, the, the salaries of females. Obviously, the second one's better. Now, that's going to cost the company more money, no doubt. And if you're purely capitalist around it, you're going to say, that's a bad idea. But in fact, it's it's a moral thing. It's an ethical thing. And so we have to do it. So we've got to remember that every single argument that we make around um, everything to do with gender, race, DEI, equality at work is good for business. We're, we're now we're shooting ourselves in the own head. Sometimes it's not good for profit, but it's good, right? Um, and uh, this is not something, I'll, I'll also say, most people say, well, you know, um, go ask for more money. No, this, you're, the, you know, if you're getting low, you're the victim of something, right? And it's the perpetrator of that thing that has to change. So any company that's not acting fast on this, and by the way, they all have the data, right? And especially big tech, they could rectify it literally overnight. Literally overnight. There's plenty of money in the coffers. So every time you talk, you see, look at gradualism here, it's somebody paying lip service to an idea, but not doing something about it, right? And so, um, shit, enough is enough on this matter, right? And like you say, 132 years, and me- in many jobs, that are very specific to minorities and females, it's actually going backwards, 
It's not even advancing a little bit, right? If you think about frontline work, you think about nurses, you think about people who work in, in farming, you know, so on and so forth, it's going backwards. So for those people, it's not even under two years. It's like an infinite amount of time because it's actually going the other way. And that would be truly thinking about um, uh, gender as a fundamental category, right? And one that it's that's it's everyone's responsibility for, not just females, right? Um, and and it's up to men to to insist that they are not treated better. It is about abandoning a privilege just as much as it's about asserting rights, right? And, and so, are people going to follow that? It's very rare that people give up their own self interest, but. We know humans are capable of enormously good things at times and enormous wisdom. And this, you know, this this pay gap um, and, and gap in many other ways, right, is is active misogyny. And we have to call it out as such. And I tell women, don't count yourselves out too soon, because yeah. that's a detriment that we've been doing for a long time. Don't count ourselves out too soon. Yeah, and, and this whole thing about, oh, I feel like an imposter, BS, we're all imposters. None of us knows exactly what we're doing. None of us was really fully ready for that next job. We all grew. So abandon that thought, right? Abandon that thought. Um, and, uh, uh, and, don't, and don't let, you know, you know the, the bullies, call them out on it, right? Call them out on it. If they don't call out themselves, call them out on it. And those bullies can be, by the way, they can look like anyone. They can be of any race or orientation, any color of skin. Bullies are still bullies. So, um, but yeah. Called out. And I appreciate the, the candid conversation we had, your perspective. And so speaking of success, what's the one thing that you haven't achieved that you want to achieve? Um, boy, you know, um, frankly, getting a PhD in something. You know, I, I'm surrounded by people and my parents, etc. PhDs, brothers, and I've always wanted to get into some subject, learn it deeply and contribute to the intellectual world. Um, and so I would say if um, before my maker finds me, if I can get a PhD, I'd be thrilled. So Always reinventing yourself, Romy. I love you. Well, Gail, you. You, are, you are the same way and it's such a pleasure. And um, I'm hoping that we can go grab some wine in Chicago soon. Let me know. Yes. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm here. Okay. Gail, yeah. pleasure as always. Thank you to Romy Mahajan for being my third male guest. Shout out to New Voice Studios for producing today's podcast. And a shout out to you, my valued listener. You have a lot of podcasts to choose from and I'm elated and grateful you're here. I normally do three key takeaways, but there was so much intel in the conversation that I had with Romy, I got invigorated again. So I'm going to give you the top five takeaways from today's podcast. Number one, you either break the mold or the mold breaks you. Two, perspective, courage, persistence, and behavior empower you to break through the noise and break through the mold. Three, we as a whole need to change the way we define success. Four, grit. Grit helps separate reality versus rhetoric. 
And lastly, number five, chat GTP and AI will never replace an in-person hug. I invite you to visit gailkeller.org for more information on how I can empower you to take your calculated steps in risk-taking to reinvent your professional life. I also invite you to follow me at underscore Gail Keller on Instagram, as well as my latest handle, underscore I am Theodora, where I'm launching a toy line this fall that complements the adult characters in my book with five children's books, five plush dolls, and much, much more centered around girl power in STEAM. Thank you and stay courageous. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.